Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Hi, this is Larry Mantle, host of Air Talk on KPCC. Since the start of the coronavirus pandemic, we've had a daily segment on Air Talk devoted to the latest information about COVID-19. As time's gone on, we've looked at vaccines and how the virus and pandemic have affected the lives of Southern Californians. That includes doctors, nurses, epidemiologists, and other medical professionals fighting the virus on the front lines. In each episode, of this podcast, we'll speak with one of our experts on the rotating panel of AirTalk guests who are sharing their expertise with us daily. You can also listen anytime at las.com, kpcc.org, or subscribe wherever you download podcasts. From Cedar sinai Medical Center, where he's co-chair of emergency medicine, Dr. Sam Torbati. Good morning, Dr. Torbati. Good morning, Larry. Let's start uh, first with um, this uh, lawsuit, which has prevailed against the federal government. Your thoughts on doing away with that mask mandate? Well, I'm not a judge, but uh, the CDC has a lot of smart people thinking uh, about policy. <laughs> um, it's uh, it's interesting to see how uh, how uh, politics and uh, now the court system is interjecting itself into this uh, this this area. It's uh, it's it's fascinating to watch this 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 all shake out. Do you, do you think setting aside the, setting aside the law, do you think it makes sense for everybody who's on public transit to wear a mask? Absolutely, absolutely. We're still in the middle of a pandemic. There's still a lot of uh, you know the BA two around. Uh, we're not out of the woods. And there's a lot of people that are on public transit that can't really protect themselves. So, you know, you have older patients, you have people that are immunocompromised, they're traveling, they have to, you know, they're, they're part of the system. And so when, when we have these rules around, you know, mandatory masking in these tight quarters, they're to protect the vulnerable. So there's an argument to be made that you do need to protect those who, who are at highest risk for having severe disease and having complications. Very surprising to see this. The federal government has announced uh, from the White House COVID response coordinator that Americans over 60 should get a second booster shot if it's been more than four months since they had the first of the booster shots. Um, And cited there was one of these several Israeli studies about second boosters. Does that advice make sense to you? It does, and um, this study was, you know, part of um, the FDA's sort of recommendations and basically allowance for people over 50 to get the, the, the second booster. Certainly those who are over 60, their risk goes up further. And so now is not a bad time for people to get it. Um, we're still in the midst of a pandemic, and, um, you know, whether people choose to do it now or wait a few months until they see what happens to the uh, uh, potential spikes is is optional. And the, the only caveat I would add is that in the Israeli study, the effect of the booster only lasted a couple of months, which is why some would say 
maybe you should hold off on getting that booster until we get into potentially colder weather and time where the prevalence of COVID will go up. Right now, being in the spring, having the benefits of the vaccine and recent immunity from natural infection reduces the risk of people getting it. And, and yeah, it's a lot for us to consider. I actually got my second booster on April 1st, but my thought was, well, if it's going to be an every six-month thing, for example, I could perhaps get a third booster in early October. Absolutely. And, and looking, looking forward, the vaccines are going to continuously be available. We know that they're going to last a particular amount of time for a particular variant that's going to be prevalent in the community. And these vaccines are incredibly safe. And so getting uh, you know, uh, additional vaccines shouldn't be an issue at all for people who may want them down the line. Love to hear your questions for Dr. Sam Torbati of Cedars-Sinai Medical Center in Los Angeles. He co-chairs emergency medicine, which is his specialty at Cedars. We're at 866-893-KPECC, 866-893-5722. You can also ask your questions at ATcomments at kpecc.org. And, and I just would ask, please don't make your questions ultra-specific to yourself to where they wouldn't apply uh, to more people than just you, because it's it's really not appropriate for Dr. Torbati to answer those questions when they're highly specific to a single person. Secondly, it, it uh, isn't the best use of our airtime to do that. It's better to answer questions that will be applicable to a larger number of people listening. 866-893-KPCC, or you can email us at atcomments at kpcc.org. The BA2 variant of, uh, subvariant of, of the Omicron variant of COVID-19 continues to spread in the U.S. as it becomes the dominant form of COVID-19. And we're seeing in Los Angeles County that hospitalizations, uh, you know, continue to go down. We're, we're at just um, uh, a fraction of cases compared to what we've seen. I, I think the latest was 213 cases, uh, uh, hospitalizations, some of whom may be people who were in the hospital for other things and happened to test positive for COVID-19. So why would BA2 spread and its increasing ability to to spread? Have we not seen more hospitalizations? Well, we're benefiting from the fact that um, although BA2 is more contagious and easy to, for one individual to pass on to others. It's not any more dangerous in terms of causing severe disease. But more importantly, we are benefiting from vaccinations. We're benefiting from the, the big spike that we had over the winter where a lot of people got infected and now have some natural immunity. And we're also benefiting from the warm weather. People are outdoors, and so even though they're gathering, the outdoor weather, the better ventilation reduces the risk of, of transmission. So all of those are positive factors such that although infections may, per, may be there, people are not going to get terribly sick and land in the hospital. Peter in Pasadena, uh, I'm sorry, Maureen in the South Bay says, I'm in the Embark study at Cedars-Sinai where my antibody and spike protein levels are being monitored. Recently, I've been having higher levels of the spike protein in my tests. Does that provide me with higher protection against infection? 
Well, we actually don't know. That's part that's part of the study. <laughs> yeah, we actually don't know. And the, the entire issue of antibody levels and how well they protect you is still being studied because there's much more to the immune system than just antibodies. All right. 866-893-KPECC. Now that masking is voluntary, what should we consider when deciding whether to put on a mask or not? Well, there's still individuals who are at higher risk for developing, com- you know, complications should they, you know, develop um, COVID-19 infection. And so those are the individuals that still should consider wearing a mask. So those are patients that are older, patients that are immunocompromised, certainly patients who have not been vaccinated for any reason, or people who we know don't mount a response to vaccines because of underlying medical conditions or medications. It's also a good idea if you're going to be in a tight space, if you're going to be on a bus, on a plane, anywhere where there's a lot of strangers that you don't know, that's a good time to wear a mask. All right, 866-893-KPECC, or you can email your question at atcommentskpecc.org. Corey in Ventura says, with people remaining masked for this long period of time, how might that affect other airborne viruses like the flu? Are more people going to miss out on that immunity because it's not spreading in the community? So it's interesting. Um, we're not seeing as much of everything as a consequence of, you know, people wearing masks and washing their hands and monitoring themselves. So um, whether they have less immunity, you know, there's just less infections as well. So we'll take less infections altogether compared to the impact of people getting infected and getting immune. So you're not you're not particularly worried about fewer cases, and then in the future, that making us more vulnerable to perhaps more serious illness. No, I'm not worried. And it's interesting. There's, there's, there's biology that also shows that when you become infected from one virus, your body's immune system actually becomes more alert against all viruses. We saw that even when it came to other uh, viral infections and its protective effects against COVID, we are probably seeing some of that impact of the COVID effect of the human body protecting it against other viruses too. Well, I just, you know, I think so many of us know people or ourselves have not been sick in more than two years. And I know for myself, uh, I can't remember the last time I've gone two years without a cold, even a mild cold of some kind. Um, It's amazing what a difference the masking makes when it comes to these other illnesses and distancing. Absolutely. Washing hand, distancing. I think people are just more cautious now. And people are more socially um, aware. If they're sick, they won't get close to others. Hopefully, they'll even stay home. I think, uh, in general, this COVID experience has has improved all of our uh, understanding of how viruses spread and has allowed us to be more sensitive to others around us. Elizabeth in Santa Monica says, uh, asks, can you explain the research behind why those who are immunosuppressed and have conditions like chronic fatigue syndrome should not be getting vaccinated? 
I, I'm not familiar with that, uh, Elizabeth. Um, I'm not familiar with that research either. Yeah, that doesn't uh, jibe with what our experts uh, say about people. I mean, there is Evershield for people who don't get much of a immuno response to to vaccinations. And you know, what are we learning about Evershield and its effectiveness? Evershield is wonderful. It's a monoclonal antibody that was developed to basically. Um, be injected into individuals who we know, based on their diseases and treatments that are being used, will not mount a response. And those are typically patients with cancers that are on chemotherapy. And so giving those individuals vaccines won't allow their body to prompt any kind of an immune response. So basically, the Evisheld is is artificial antibodies so that for about six-month period, those individuals can fight off infection has been shown to be very effective. Uh, Ned Inencino says airplanes have up to 20 air changes per hour, twice that of an operating room. Is the CDC really following their own science on this? Anecdotal evidence also shows HEPA filters on airplanes are working exceptionally well. This is very different than riding a bus or other forms of transportation. So uh, that's why I'm asking the question. No, Ned, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you're, you're asking it. I think, you know, at least anecdotally, there's a perception from people in the past that they would get colds uh, after flying, that being exposed to people in the tight quarters was uh, facilitated the spread of infectious diseases. But Dr. Torbati, what what do we know about traveling by air? What uh, What's the risk? So Ned brings up an interesting uh, topic, which is that absolutely planes have a lot of circulation and airflow and HEPA filters. But at the same time, when you're in an airplane, you're sitting tight next to individuals for many, many hours. So it's not that the air from the cabin 20 feet away is going to infect you. It's the individual sitting right next to you. They're the ones who, if they're ill and they're not wearing masks, they're more, and you're not wearing a mask, then that increases the likelihood of spread. Before it would ever even get into the filtration system. That's correct. Marina in Pasadena says, from what I understand, I've been wearing a mask to protect others, not myself. So what's changed where I'm now wearing a mask to protect myself? I regularly wear N95 masks. You might have kind of answered that question, Marina, with that uh, mentioning the N95. Dr. Torvati? Yeah, Marina, it turns out masks both protect others and the individuals who uh, are wearing the mask. So it's a, it's a double benefit. And the N95 is, is particularly more effective, isn't it, than the typical cloth mask? That is correct. The N95 is designed, by definition, to protect at least 95% of the um, aerosolized uh, particles from reaching the, the, the human. It's not 100%, but 95% is great. Regular cloth masks could be as low as sort of uh, 40 to 60%, and the surgical masks are closer to 80%. So if people can tolerate the N95s, they're, they're actually safer. Mei Ling in Highland Park asked, does being pregnant qualify as uh, putting you into a risk category for getting a second booster shot? Yes, it does. Uh, We know that pregnant patients do worse when they develop COVID. So, yes.
All right. Mei Ling, uh, very good, because I assume she's under under 50. That's why she's asking, even though age-wise she wouldn't be in that group. 866-893-KPECC. Scott in South Pasadena, you're on Air Talk. Hi, good morning. Thank you. Um, I'm 62. My wife is 69, both in great health. Uh, we've had a cruise for Northern Europe planned since uh, for two years, uh, departing in June. If we decide to go, would you recommend getting a second booster beforehand? The reason I ask is because a CNN doctor contributor suggested no and to wait for a uh, another outbreak before you get the second booster. That's a great question. Um, I'm, I'm actually talking to a lot more people who are thinking of cruises these days, and I, I think actually makes a lot of sense for you to do that. And mm-hmm. we, we don't know what's going to happen by the time the cruise comes up. We don't know who's going to be on the cruise. There there are testing that occurs before patients or individuals come on to cruises, but it's still a higher risk scenario. And uh, I would, if I were you, I would, I would get the booster a, a good two weeks in advance to make sure that you have the best protection and you can enjoy your, your, your trip. Scott, do you know if they're going to be doing regular testing for all passengers aboard once you depart on the cruise? As of now, you are. At least one day ahead of time, you need to submit a, a, a negative test one day in advance. But so. during the cruise, do you know if they'll do routine testing or not? That's a great question. I do not know that. Because um, I think I think it's Viking, for example, that at least had been doing daily testing of all the passengers. So one thing I would consider, and correct me if I'm wrong, Dr. Torbati, but if the booster does provide some degree of infection, uh, protection against infection, you could if the, if they are doing testing on the cruise, you could cut the risk that you would test positive and then, you know, be quarantined in your room and not able to take part in the shipboard activities and tours and the like. So that, for me, might be something I would factor y- into the equation. Oh, for sure. I mean, uh, getting getting the booster gives you all of the extra benefit including the reduction in risk of you becoming infected and basically having lost your entire trip because you're now quarantined. Yes, and that's, you know, after you've invested so much, Scott, in in an expensive cruise, just another thing to consider. Uh, Great call. Thank you so much. Kathy in Pasadena asks, is it possible to get long COVID after you've had COVID, been vaccinated, and boosted. A friend of mine has some medical problems that the friend suspects are related to long COVID. So we're studying long COVID more and more, and there's a lot of debate in terms of long COVID, what it is, what the symptoms are, defining it. We suspect that the answer is yes, that this scenario that you described could happen. But honestly, right now, the, the, uh, the data and the science is just not there for us to quite have good answers. All right. 866-893-KPCC. Ann in Canoga Park says, I understand cloth masks aren't very effective, but are they more effective with the filter inserts some of them have? Um, the, the science says that the more layers you have to reduce particles from passing through, aerosolized particles, the better. So theoretically, yes. Okay. Uh, I would assume, like in so many cases, though, because they're an almost infinite variety of cloth masks, it would depend. You, you'd almost have to test the individual model, right, to see what its level of protection would be? 
Absolutely. And, you know, if, if you wear a cloth mask that doesn't fit you well, even if you wear an N95 and it's loose fitting, then you lose the 95% protection. It may drop as low as 60%. So there's a lot of different factors that go into this, Larry, as you mentioned. Dr. Torbati, um, California lawmakers have backed away from requiring that all kids get vaccinated against COVID as uh, a condition of enrolling in school. Um, what are your thoughts about that? Do you, do you think COVID vaccination should be mandated by the state or not? Well, it's it's clear that um, the legislature is just trying to get a better handle on sort of what um, what right now Californians are thinking. And there's concern that if you mandate something that the majority of the public isn't ready for, you're just going to create alienation. So I think this just reflects the fact that you know, until formal FDA approval comes through and until we have more data, parents are still apprehensive. And so I think it makes sense for them to have pulled this and just give this a little bit more time and uh, allow people to become more comfortable. Well, and and they're dealing with the very real situation of something like 110,000 students decline in enrollment in California public schools. And if they're fearful that that mandate is going to lead to a further drop where these schools are already seeing uh, a lot of empty seats, I think that's got to be part of, of what's under consideration here. Bobby in Long Beach says, I'm vaccinated, got my booster about three months ago. Three weeks ago, I contracted COVID, recovered about a week ago. Should I get my second booster now, or should I wait a while since I had COVID three weeks ago? I would wait a while. Right now, having had COVID just three weeks ago, your immune system is pretty revved up. Um, I would wait until a few months have passed and and we start having more concerns over new variants or new waves coming through. All right. And finally, uh, Tony in Simi Valley asks, is a KN95 mask about as good as an N95? They're about as, they're, they're very similar. Uh, they're, they're very, very similar. And so if you have access to a KN95, that's great too. All right. Thank you so much, Dr. Torbati. We appreciate it very much as always. Have a great rest of your week. We'll look forward to talking with you again soon. Thanks so much, Larry. Thanks for listening to this episode of COVID in L.A. If you'd like to stay up to date with the latest coronavirus news, you can listen anytime at las.com, at kpecc.org, or subscribe wherever you download podcasts. See you next time and stay safe. I'm Larry Mantle. This program is made possible in part by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, a private corporation funded by the American people.